Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, welcome to IntelliCast. My name is Brian Lamar. Hey, in episode 12, we didn't introduce ourselves. My name is Brian Lamar. Um, I am the Chief Insights Officer at EMI, and joining me today is Brian Peterson. How are you, sir? I am doing good. How about yourself? Doing great. We have kind of a special episode today. Uh, May is Mental Health Month, as I'm sure you're aware, and this is going to be an interview discussing some research that we partnered with Brand Trust on. Uh, Brand Trust is a awesome company based in Chicago, Illinois, and we partnered with them to look at a lot of different aspects of mental health, and we have really cool stuff um, in this podcast. So we have Lindsay Bartell, who um, is a senior analyst at Brand Trust, and she's amazing. We've been on stage at a couple of conferences together and love working with her. Um, also, Andrew DeSellis here at EMI, um, who was also on the research talking about mental health for a good 20, 30 minutes. Always a great topic. So hopefully hopefully you're in the right headspace for this kind of discussion because it does get a little um, deep at times. Um, we'll also have um, a webinar later this month. What is that webinar, Brian? That webinar is May 18th at noon. Okay. So and we'll, you'll see a lot of social media coming out based upon this research over the next few weeks. Um, we have really just really cool findings. We've, and we haven't even finished analyzing it yet. But um, hope you listen to the episode. Hope you enjoy it. We love any feedback you have on it. So reach out to us or the brand trust team if you have any questions about it, um, any question, any thoughts, um, how we can improve it. Um, so um, without any further ado, it's myself, Lindsay Bartell, Andrew DeSellis, talking about mental health. Joining us now, I have two special guests. First, I will introduce Andrew DeSellis, who, no stranger to the podcast, but I think it's your first time that you've been on in a while. Hello, Andrew. Brian, how's it going? Great to be back. Yeah, love to have you. Thanks for joining. And also, uh, Lindsay Bartell, who leads the narrative inquiry uh, methodology at Brand Trust. Lindsay, thanks for joining. Thanks for having me again. I'm excited to be back. Yeah, you're a two-timer. You're in the two-timers club. I, I think this is my third time, actually. Third time. Oh, my gosh. So, that yeah. is an exclusive group, <laughs> the three-timer club. That's awesome. Um, we'll be sure to mail you your, um, you know, medal embossed uh membership card to the entire i was gonna say do i get a, do I get a, get a plaque or something get a purple jacket <laughs> um so this is mental health awareness month and we thought this is the perfect opportunity to kind of talk about some work that we've collaborated on and we've done a little road show with it and um but we wanted to kind of talk a little bit more informally about the research and so I'm glad that both of you two, which I would say you two are really the um, brains behind the design of this. And so I thought we'd just kind of get into it. And um, I guess we should introduce it. Who would like to introduce it? Lindsay, would you like to introduce what we did? Sure. Yeah, I'd love to. So 
what we really wanted to do with this work, we, we'd been talking about it for a while between uh, Brand Trust and EMI here. And we really wanted to kind of uncover what makes our narrative inquiry methodology unique? What makes it special? What makes it different than traditional quantitative, uh, more traditional quantitative surveys? And so we know that our partnership with you guys is great. We get the, you know, some of the best quality responses uh, that we can with this narrative inquiry methodology through your samples. So uh, knowing that and knowing how much luck we've had and how much success we've had over how long has it been? Four, four years, five years of our partnership. Five. Yeah, yeah, five years of our partnership. We've had a ton of success. We kind of wanted to uh, put some validation behind that and kind of put some numbers and and test that out a little bit to make sure that you know, this is really the most successful combination that we could have, the narrative inquiry methodology and your sample. Uh, so we put together this kind of experiment, if you will, this project that we wanted to do. We wanted to test a couple different uh, variables. And we thought while we're doing it, why don't we do something really interesting? Why don't we do a really interesting topic, something that we're going to like reading the responses of something that we're going to like analyzing. And so we kind of thought of a couple different topics that we thought might be kind of cool. And we recognize that mental health is something that is uh, becoming less stigmatized now. It's uh, becoming a lot more talked about uh, just in, in conversations, in public, on social media, kind of everywhere. It's, it, there's, there's this, you know, kind of need to talk about it and people are recognizing it a lot more. Uh, so we thought that that would be a really cool topic to have. So, so it, uh, it's very timely and it was, yeah, we, we had a really amazing time, uh, got a lot of uh, amazing responses with this, um, which I'm sure you're going to hear a lot about <laughs> soon, but that was kind of how this this came to be. Awesome. Um, Andrew, we kind of had three different designs here that we compared, right? And I think that was really your idea. It's a little bit complicated. Can you try to summarize kind of what we did as a methodology? Absolutely. Um, so yeah, so as Lindsay said, you know, this was a study where we were kind of trying to analyze the attitudes around mental health in general, um, as well as, you know, kind of usage um, of different kinds of services and things like that. But the crux was people self-express notions of what mental health is, um, what it means to them, times that they've struggled with mental health, so on and so forth. So it really was the objective that we came up with, the perfect use case for a quality quant methodology. Um, so what we did is that we set up, as you said, three different arms, if you will. Um, the first being, you know, how we traditionally engage in narrative inquiry with brand trust. So this is brand trust's narrative inquiry methodology as we normally do it with the blends that we normally use for it, um, with all of EMI's, you know, security tools, fraud detection, detuplication, all of our platforms, on and on and on. Um, how we do this as kind of the gold standard for quality quality. 
Arm number two was the same survey instrument, um, but we stripped away EMI. Um, so we just kind of plugged it into, you know, a major programmatic aggregator. Um, so we, we removed ourselves from the sampling process on that one. Uh, and then arm three, Brian and I had a lot of fun uh, writing a questionnaire to accomplish the same objective in a very traditional quantitative survey format. Um, and then again, so we bring EMI back in and then we ran that with the exact same blend allocation, pricing, so on and so forth um, as that narrative inquiry um, arm one which would be standard. So what we hoped to garner from that three-legged approach is using how we traditionally approach this as kind of our control group. We then wanted to test the quality and verbosity of the answers uh, with different sample, um, but then also wanted to test, you know, well, maybe we just have all of these engaged respondents. Is narrative inquiry really driving that much of a difference? Um, and it certainly does, which we'll discuss in a moment. But, you know, so for that third arm, exact same sample, but different survey instrument. Um, the kind of key point is that in Lindsay will discuss narrative inquiry, how it works in a moment. I think that's our next step here. Um, but we actually asked all of the same questions as open ends um, in that quantitative survey, but outside of that NI methodology, outside of that NI UX that, you know, Lindsay and I have spent, you know, five years kind of fine tuning. Um, so that's how it was set up. It was, um, a very effective experimental design uh, from the, the different insights that we were able to get out of it. So I was very excited about that. Um, also wanted to add the, the other flavor to this, which was really interesting to me from a quant perspective, which is that you know our secondary objective was not just overall mental health um, attitudes and, and things like that, but it was also around you know, gender identities, masculinity, male, female, so on and so forth. Um, and so we'll probably do a second podcast on this in November for Men's Mental Health Month. Um, but it was it was really great. We actually, you know, worked with a researcher from the University of Michigan to develop a um, masculine perceptions screener, uh, a segmentation tool that we use. Um, and so all, it, it is just very fascinating all around. And, you know, as we get into those insights, um, there's some really, really interesting things that came out of it. So I'm very, very glad that early on in the, in the process, Lindsay and Chris and Sophia from Brand Trust all said, you know, hey, let's make this really cool and not just an experiment. Um, and, and, and I'm very grateful for that because it's been astonishing the, the insights that we've been able to take out of it um, from both the topical perspective as well as an analytical perspective. Awesome. Thank you. So, Lindsay, I'd love to hear more about narrative inquiry and kind of what it is. We Internally, we were calling it kind of quant versus qual, but I don't think that's a fair representation of narrative inquiry. Um, you're kind of pushing the limits and combining qual and quant is how I would describe it. How would you describe narrative inquiry and what we did here? Yeah, so how we typically refer to narrative inquiry at Brand Trust is our qual at scale methodology. So when it kind of first came to be, we started calling it quali quant. And then just as you said, we, we realized that that's not really right because it is very much more heavily based in the qualitative aspect of it. So 
It's a narrative inquiry is a social sciences based uh, qualitative online survey. We utilize storytelling to really uncover the, the deeply embedded kind of narratives uh, that people hold that really drive their behavior, that really kind of encapsulate their experiences that they have so that we can really understand the, their truths and their human truths. That's, a, that's what we're always trying to uncover at Brand Trust is that human truth. Uh, we like to refer to ourselves as 100% human um, because we're always driving for that human truth and trying to understand what is really going on underneath some of these things that you might get from a traditional quant or a traditional online survey. You might get at those, you know, what, what people are doing, what consumers are doing, what behaviors they have, but you're not going to understand really why they have those behaviors. So through narrative inquiry, through their storytelling, through the experiences that we ask uh, our respondents about, we're able to uncover what are those kind of things that are underneath their experiences, things that are underneath their behaviors. So why are they doing what they're doing? What are those motivations? What are those needs? Uh, what are some barriers that they are experiencing when they're you know, going to get help with mental health or when they're even thinking about getting help with uh, mental health. So we're able to get at those really deep-seated emotions uh, and kind of the meaning behind those, you know, whether it's an, an interaction that they have or whatever kind of experience that they're they're sharing with us, we're able to really uncover the meaning behind that and what that, you know, means for the people that we're hearing from. Okay, so let's maybe get into the findings. Before I do, I wanted to mention, so we did a quant survey of about a thousand people. We did two narrative inquiries of 300 each. And if you remember what Andrew said, one of them was with an online aggregator and the other one was with EMI's uh, blend. And we'll go through the quantitative data, I think a little bit more later. Unsurprisingly, lots of people have mental health challenges. Unsurprisingly, a lot of people don't treat them. And so we get deep into that and a little bit deep in the quant as best we can. But I think the, the more exciting piece of the research is really the why and the un, what you uncovered from the narrative inquiry side. And can you talk maybe high level, maybe what, what you kind of saw with narrative inquiry? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think maybe it would be best to start with maybe one of the verbatims that we heard from these respondents. And this is, uh, so I'll share a, a quick story in just a moment. But before I go into that, these, uh, the story that I'm going to share is very reflective of a lot of the, the stories that we heard. So this is, um, you know, a story from just one respondent, but this was a common theme. And, and we heard you know, what I'm going to share from, you know, in, in so many words from, from different people, but uh, heard these same themes throughout our, our process and throughout our analysis of this. So I just want to share quickly a, a, a verbatim story that we heard from this to really kind of set the tone of these, these insights. And, and uh, some of these stories, I will say, were, were difficult to, to read. Knowing that this topic was mental health, a lot of people were telling us, we were asking specifically about some struggles that people had with mental health. 
Um, and so a lot of these stories were, were hard to, to get through. People were, were very vulnerable in their stories, which also, you know, speaks really well to this methodology, to this narrative inquiry methodology that people felt so comfortable and felt like they were able to be really open and, and they were willing to be so open about their experiences and about their struggles. So Sorry, Lindsay, before you yeah. start reading, I just want to underscore for everyone listening. The verbatim that you are about to hear was fielded with traditional quant panelists on a programmed, you know, programmed on a major quant platform that probably 70% of us use, administered as a quant survey, right? The only thing that is different here is that methodology that Lindsay and her team use um, in that narrative inquiry user experience that we developed, again, on a quant instrument. There is not a moderator prompting this. There is not, you know, it's just absolutely incredible the types of verbatims that we're able to get out of these surveys. And we'll go into some of the quantitative metrics of how much better they are um, later. But I just really want to underscore that, that what you are about to hear was collected from online panelists with a run of, it's not run of the mill because it's special narrative inquiry, but from a pr programmatic perspective um you know this is this is all all quant in that special sauce that that branches brings to the table will give you open ends like this yeah <laughs> great intro um so yeah this this verbatim here from this uh research uh respondent this respondent said to me mental health is about being in a headspace that makes you feel safe and if you're feeling vulnerable, you feel comfortable to be able to share those emotions with people that are close to you. Mental health is ever-changing and always affecting my everyday life. I have a lot of trauma from my childhood, and I was struggling with deep feelings of depression and anxiety and feeling very alone, like I was unwelcomed anywhere. I was falling apart and felt hopeless. I had started to self-harm, and things eventually got worse. Recently, my father and I were in a situation where he did not understand my mental health and the needs that I have to protect it. It's incredibly hard for me to not be understood. I felt very shut down. I felt very misunderstood, like there was something wrong with me. It's important for me that other people that struggle with their mental health understand that it's okay not to be okay. Mental health is so important to take care of because it, it has an effect on your entire life. And so, like I said, that that story is very reminiscent of a lot of the stories that we heard. Uh, people, as I said, were were incredibly vulnerable. This story shares about how uh, this individual had had actually started to self harm, and we heard a lot of stories like that. They were open to sharing that, even sharing things about uh, attempted suicide, um, and and really being able to be vulnerable and be open with just due to the nature of our, our methodology and kind of the questions that, that we ask with narrative inquiry. And so that story, just to call out some of the key points and some of the key findings that we were able to co uh, come up with through that story and through a lot of the stories here is that mental health is really this kind of complex web of emotional, physical, relational, contextual factors. It's something that is invisible, but it's seen and it's felt 
from everyone around someone who's struggling with mental health. So even though it may be physically invisible, you can see if someone's struggling and you yourself, if you're struggling, you can feel that. So it might be invisible, you know, to, to kind of the factors that are are present, but it's, it's very much felt. It's very tangible for everyone experiencing it and everyone around those that are experiencing it. We heard a lot about uh, if we kind of boiled down our, our insights, things that kind of created this mental unhealth, as we were calling it, were isolation and really feeling like you were worthless, feeling like you had a lot of shame surrounding these experiences or, you know, any kind of trauma that you may have had. So you felt alone, you felt isolated, you felt disconnected, and you also felt stuck. You felt anxious, you felt powerless, you felt hopeless. And this kind of creates this constant cycle of feeling like you're in a prison, feeling like there's no way out of this, feeling like you're Uh, You don't have any control. You don't have any agency. And so that continues to build on that isolation and continues to build on those feelings of, of being stuck. And so in order to kind of get yourself out of that and, and push yourself out of that, there needs to be this hope for a change. There needs to be a hope for the ability to create a connection, whether that's with yourself or with other people Uh, there's a lot of different ways that you can create a connection, a lot of different ways that we heard of that you can create a a connection, but those connections, uh, start to build on these feelings of feeling worthy and feeling like you're accepted. So when you feel this sense of connection, you no longer feel that sense of isolation. And then you also start to gain this agency. You start to gain some control back over, over yourself. And so those two kind of feed into each other as well. And again, that, uh, what was that negative cycle kind of turns into this more positive cycle and you're able to, uh, you know, hopefully get yourself out of these kind of struggles that you're experiencing. And so there's a lot, I mean, there, that's just very, very high level. (laughs) Some of the things, if I could boil it down to, Um, you know, just a few moments of of what we found, but there's so many incredible insights that we heard from these amazing stories that people were so open and willing to share with us. Wow. Hey, Brian, what um, quantitative polling method would we use to pull in sets like that? There isn't one, is there? (laughs) To get that level of, of detail. Oh, no, the, the response that she read and the insights that she just gave, that we didn't cherry pick. You could almost randomly pick a respondent and the depth of their response was to the let level. And I agree, we've talked about this with each other many times that it was hard to read. For me, I could only read a few respondents at a time because we asked them some open-ended questions about how, what mental health challenges they faced and what does mental health mean to you and they describe a time and it was over and over and over again, that similar type of verbatim that she just read. Um, the, the analysis that she kind of went through there in about two minutes, we spoke about for probably four hours in a working session. She summarized that in a couple minutes. We could probably, or she could definitely talk about each one of those different topics for a very long period of time. And I was, 
it was pretty clear when we did a working session, the difference in the methodologies that uh, we analyzed the quant and we came with charts and some insights on this number of people. And then they went deep into, you know, the cycle of worth that she talked about and lots of different themes um, about forgiveness and acceptance. And it's a journey. And that's, we could not do that um, with a traditional quantitative survey, even if it wasn't online. Although I think online was a benefit to us in this case, but I just wanted to reiterate, we didn't cherry pick. If you want to see the verbatims, we'll show them to you. Um, they are hard to read though. Yeah, and I, I want to reiterate as well, the, the quant in me isn't going to let us get away without sharing some actual data. Yes. Um, but uh, you know that, that open end that Lindsay read a few moments ago, you know, was probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 100 to 150 words, I would guess. Um, and so we compared um, leg one and leg three. Um, so this is all the same sample. And what we did is that we ran uh, word counts and we kind of tried to pick a benchmark of you know, what's a relatively verbose um, normal open end, right? And so where we landed on like, wow, this is a really thorough open end was around 30 words. So that's a couple pretty good sentences. And we asked three questions. What does mental health mean to you? Describe a time that you were struggling with mental health and describe a time that you did something to better your mental health. And the way that those questions are asked in narrative inquiry, um, you know, there's a lot of prompting that happens. Uh, there's many, you know, think, and obviously it's proprietary and I don't, I'm not gonna explain how it works. I'll let Lindsay do that. So I'm not giving away the magic. Um, but all of those um, narrative inquiry prompts end with those three questions. And, you know, they're kind of bolded. That is the question that is being asked. And so as a comparison, we pulled those questions out and asked them as traditional quantitative open ends where in the survey, they were just exposed to those exact three questions that I asked. And, Across all three of those questions, we had about six and a half percent of the open ends that were 30 words or more. Um, and so, you know, again, 30 words is an exemplary open end to get from a quant survey. So I was actually really impressed. I thought, you know, oh my gosh, our panel mix is working great. Um, this is a very engaging topic. You know, one in 20 people is giving us more than 30 words. This is fantastic. The percentage of responses from the narrative inquiry, again, same sample, um, that were more than 30 words across all three questions was 58%. That is almost a 10x multiplier of folks who are giving us answers that were that thorough. 10 times. Yeah, just from an analytical perspective, that was absolutely incredible to me to really like test that and see how much more we're getting out of people just because of the methodology. Yeah, I think we, we talk a lot about the challenges with online research. We talk a lot about data quality. We've done probably 50 podcasts about data quality. I'm on multiple committees of the industry talking about the quality of data and what we, how do we do to fix it. This was like staggering the, the quality of the respondents with their open ends and the willingness to share was astounded us with the depth of it you know 10x that's a quantitative measure we could qualitatively we can measure it too with the depth of the deeper understanding you can get out of those you know 30 extra words or 60 extra words or 100 extra words um 
And so I think it can be done if you do all the things that the industry has been talking about and you throw in a amazing methodology that kind of helps guide a respondent on a path um, where they're kind of part, they realize they're part of a study. They're part of an experience is how I would describe it. And so Andrew and I talked a lot, Lindsay. Um, do you disagree with what we just said? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it was, it was awesome. So I, I don't know if this is typical. What you typically see with narrative inquiry is it is it is it typical? Yeah. So we, I mean, with with different topics, with different industries, you're going to have a little variance. So if it's a topic that is really engaging for the people that we're talking to. So mental health obviously is a very engaging topic. People want to talk about it. Uh, we've done topics all over different kinds of industries. So we've seen that variance, but I would say that this is definitely typical. You're going to see more verbose responses through narrative inquiry, just because of the way we're asking these questions. We're asking them to, we're going back to that human side of this. We are really trying to humanize the questions that we're asking them to make them feel like they are talking to a person versus typing their responses in a computer, uh, which is what it might feel like if they're completing a, a quant survey or, or a more traditional survey. So we um, the, just in the way that we're asking these questions, we're saying, you know, tell me about a time when uh, you were struggling with your your mental health. You know, as you're as you're describing this, consider the following things like where you were, what was happening. Uh, was anybody with you? You know, what's standing out to you? What's going through your mind? What are you feeling? How are you feeling? Why are you feeling that way? What's, you know, important about this moment for you? So we ask really thoughtful questions to help kind of uh, prompt them and kind of help them to form their stories and, and give us those, uh, you know, more verbose responses. So I'd say that this is definitely typical of narrative inquiry just because of the way that we are framing those questions and the way that we are uh, asking them in a more engaging way. Awesome. I want to talk a little bit more about the quality of the sample. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned 58% of respondents with negative narrative inquiry, not negative inquiry. That would be another product. That would be a really bad product. Um, <laughs> narrative inquiry, 58% of respondents had at least 30 or more words or were really good thorough open ends. And, you know, we had two different sets of sample. Our strategic blend had 67% of the panelists had a really good open end. Online marketplace, about 48%. So, you know, a little bit of a different, higher quality open ends. But the big difference, I think, was in quality removals. We only removed 6% of the sample in the strategic blend while we removed 26% of the sample in the online marketplace. So it was a lot more cleaning. We spent a lot more time um, ensuring that we're providing really good data. And we're, I don't think we had too, too strong of a red pen. Um, we just wanted three decent open ends. That's all we were looking for. That was our quality measures. And we saw a pretty significant difference between what we would, Andrew and I built as a sample blend versus what you can kind of just get out there. Is that right, Andrew? Yeah, that's right. And just to be clear, so prior when I was discussing that that metric for the open ends, um, the, the word count, 
that was looking at arms one and three combined. So both narrative inquiry experiments combined as compared to that quant instrument. So you have mixed together both samples, but the methodology, so it's methodology to methodology. The metrics that Brian just shared are only from arms one and arm and two. Um, so that's all narrative inquiry, uh, but one is with EMI sample and one is not. And as you shared the combo of brand trust and EMI, it was actually 67% um, had open ends with more than 30 words. Um, and that is an incredible percentage. Um, and also as well, just to be clear, that's not 67% of respondents provided that. Um, that is 67% of all open ends um, were above 30 words. Right. And yeah, like you said, you know, the narrative inquiry methodology, even without EMI, was at 48. So it's certainly better with us. Um, but, you know, the, the methodology itself is driving an incredible response there in and of itself. Um, and like you said, though, Brian, you know, to see, you know, 400% more removals without EMI, um, you know, that, that is a staggering multiplier there. And, you know, a lot of that comes down to the way that we manage our network. Um, you know, we spend a lot of time monitoring our panel sources um, for a, a multitude of metrics, um, including open-ended quality. And that's something that, you know, over the years, as we've continued to keep tabs on different things like this, you know, we're able to create a blend that is optimal for a methodology like this. You know, we do 2,000 studies a year and we you know, collect on every single study, hey, how many open-end removals were there? What's those open-ends look like? So on and so forth across 150 different panels. Um, and that's how we make these decisions. And it certainly yielded, you know, excellent results on both this experiment as well as all of the other narrative inquiry work that we do with Brand Trust. Yeah. And I, I mean, I want to drive that home because it was so clear in reading the responses from our combination of narrative inquiry and your sample versus narrative inquiry and the more, um, you know, uh, marketplace sample, it was, the difference was astounding. You could see just how better quality your sample was versus the, the marketplace sample. It was, it was incredible. And, and I mean, it, it truly was, I, I always kind of knew it. And so it was so nice to really be able to, to see them side by side and be able to compare them and, and, you know, put that to, to really validate, you know, what I've seen throughout five years of, of doing this, um, that, that your sample is, is very well curated and just amazing for, for what we do. Uh, well, thank you. And if people want to know more, we're doing a roadshow. We've presented this uh, at the Pharmaceutical Market Research Conference uh, earlier this year, and also in Quirks in Chicago. And we're probably presenting this because we're really proud of the findings. Um, mental health is something we should talk about. We're all very passionate about it. And we'll probably present this at other conferences. We will have webinars. We will likely publish something because, you know, we didn't really touch on the uh, masculinity scale that you know we designed and Andrew primarily designed with the help of someone and 
the, the perceptions of masculinity from a male standpoint and a female standpoint is really kind of cool stuff. So there's a lot more out there that we haven't really touched on. A lot more narrative inquiry findings. That was a two-minute summary that um, we could talk all day about. And so um, any last words that I missed there, Lindsay? No, I, I think you you covered it. Uh, yeah, we're really excited to, you know, get this out uh, into the open and and continue presenting it, like you said, on our, our mental health roadshow that we're, we're doing. So yeah, we're excited uh, to keep this train moving. Andrew, any final thoughts? Yeah, I would just encourage anyone, um, you know, if you're interested in this topic, if you're interested in the work that we did here, you know, please reach out to us. Like you said, Brian, we're so passionate about this topic. Um, we're obviously also very passionate about, you know, online sample and all the different components that went into this experiment and into this research. So, you know, if you'd like to get involved, certainly reach out. Um, and also as well, you know, if there's something that you're passionate about or there's something that you're wondering about, for online research. You know, this is the stuff that Brian and I absolutely love about our job is setting up experiments like this, doing these deep dives. Um, you know, just reach out. We'd be, you know, we can share all the findings from this research. Um, and we'd love to partner with, with you on an initiative like this as well. So um, don't hesitate to raise your hand and say, hey, let's do something like this. Um, you know, I sometimes I struggle with the fact that, you know, most of what I'm doing every day is designing sample plans for consumer research that are used to pick one ad over the other or, you know, to measure brand awareness or something like that. Um, and while those are incredibly critical and invaluable into driving the success of our clients and helping them win, and that it does reward me, um, it's so cool to be able to be part of a project that, as we share these insights can potentially you know, change people's lives, change the way that brands think about mental health and how they're addressing it um, and how they're engaging with those who are struggling. Um, so, you know, it is an incredibly valuable experience to me and look forward to doing more work like this. Awesome. Well said. Um, Lindsay, thanks for joining so much. Third timer, you get your, we'll give you your gift here soon. Um, Andrew, uh, thanks for joining. And if you all have any questions, reach out to Lindsay. She's easy to find. And Andrew and I are definitely easy to find as well. So thanks for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.